Thank you, Rick and Nancy. First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 1. This passage of scripture is marked up in my Bible, and I have read this before during the Thanksgiving season through of the decades uh, that we've been together. Uh, but I believe it is an excellent passage of scripture to look at uh, and to review as we go through the Thanksgiving season's excellent psalm of thanksgiving uh, and is in a, a wonderful uh, occasion where the Ark of the Covenant was moved into a tabernacle or a tent or a worship place specifically designed for it in Jerusalem. David said it needed a permanent place, and of course the ark was moved there. And this is the uh, celebration service for moving the ark of the covenant. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? 1 Chronicles chapter 16. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, and Obed-Edom. Jael with the stringed instruments and harps, but Asaph made music with cymbals. Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, regularly blew the trumpets before God, before the Ark of the Covenant of God. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O oh, seed of Israel, his Servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for the season of Thanksgiving and the holiday season. We thank you that we pause to, to give you praise and to remember the blessings and we ask that you would truly give us thankful hearts and let our thankful hearts do the work in our lives that thankful hearts can accomplish and make us into better people for you. Father, we ask that the world would see you in us through our thankful hearts and our thankful spirits. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now the history books record that the original Thanksgiving feast occurred in 16. 21 in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And of course, you have a little brief history in your bulletin about that. Uh, the menu included venison. And I read a historical article. Obviously, they kept pretty clear records on this. They killed five deer for this event. Venison 
and wild turkeys, and these were cooked over an open fire. So they had a big grilling party the first Thanksgiving. They were cooking out and charcoaling this meat. Uh, they also had geese, ducks, and fish, and lobsters, and oysters, and clams. Of course, you would expect some of that because they were right by the coast. They had roasted corn. That was their crop for the year, and Johnny Cakes. Now, we know they were our kind of people because Johnny Cakes, cornbread. So they had cornbread on the menu. Now, we think a lot of times of the first Thanksgiving feast is a lot of people there. Uh, the estimated crowd for the first Thanksgiving feast, 40 people. 40 to 50 people, all that survived. Now, I did a brief head count when we got in here to kind of see where we are. We have about 30 people here. This would just about be the crowd at the first Thanksgiving feast. So we're not looking at a big group of people. However, the Indians upped the attendance board because about 90 of them showed up. And they showed up with some of their food. Also, made I've known, another historical article says that there were four adult women who survived that first year. Four adult women and younger daughters uh, did a lot of this cooking. Let me see which four wants to try to cook for all of us over open fire here. Uh, but four adult women and their young daughters. But this looks like quite a feast. However, in this passage of scripture, we have way before America was even thought of, David provides a feast of his own. The first Thanksgiving feast, of course, is mentioned here. In verse 3, he distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Now, in the King James, you have a flagon of wine. You say, well, where's the discrepancy there? Well, it, it says some kind of serving of something that had to do with grapes. Raisins are grapes. So, of course, the English translators just had to do something with that. So it was either a cake of raisins or a flagon of wine. And, of course, the New King James says a, a piece of meat. I think that the... the the King James says a good, good piece of meat. He sent him home with a lot. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 19, we understand David is a smart man because it says that he gave them this food and they departed. He, he didn't put out the buffet. He gave them to-go plates because he didn't know how much they would eat. So, but he did. Everybody there had to be hundreds of people there. The king said, "You came to our worship service, and as they're going out, he gave them this parcel of bread and meat, and either a flagon of wine or a cake of raisins." So we understand we have the first documented Thanksgiving feast because what they were doing here is giving thanks. And they had something to eat and carried it home with them. Now, I want us to notice a common theme of Thanksgiving songs. And I hope that you caught the familiar words here. In verse 8, it says this, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. There we go. We start off with Thanksgiving. The very next statement, make known his deeds among the peoples. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Now, look in verse 23. 
Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his wonders among all peoples. Now, I hope this is a familiar passage to you because this is quite similar to the passage we read in Isaiah chapter 12 this morning where he says this. Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted, sing to the Lord for he has done excellent thing. This is known in all the earth. So here's a thanksgiving psalm in Isaiah. And here's a thanksgiving psalm back in the days of David, which would be several hundred years before. And both of them give us this principle. A thankful heart is a sharing heart. They had some good news about who God is and what God could do. And it says, don't keep that inside. A thankful heart is a sharing heart, a heart that's willing to share something with others. And in this instance, it is the best something, which is the good news or speak forth of his salvation over all the earth. So we realize a thankful heart is the spring of which evangelism And mission work grows. And when we really have a thankful heart, then mission work, evangelism, sharing the gospel in whatever form we can do it is going to be a natural byproduct. Because a thankful heart realizes who God is. A thankful heart realizes what God can do. And a thankful heart knows that there are people all around us who need that. So a thankful heart is a sharing heart. A thankful heart is also a generous heart. Well, what's the difference? Well, we look in verse 28. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is also firmly established. It shall not be moved. You see, a sharing heart is willing to give to others. A generous heart is willing to give back to God. Bring an offering. Now, a lot of times, of course, to the cynical individual, you talk about bringing an offering and they think about those hucksters on television always asking for your money. And they've got the the big gold Rolex watches and they're showing you uh, pictures of their beautiful palace homes and so forth. We're not talking about that. We're talking about actually deliberately giving to God's work. The best place to give to God's work is through the local church where you know what it's doing, right? Bring an offering. Bring an offering as we worship. You see, a thankful heart recognizes that all we have is already his anyway. You see, a thankful heart is not, now wait a minute, God wants how much of mine? He wants how much of my stuff? That's, That's not a thankful heart. The thankful heart knows it's all gods and we have no problem with parting with any of it first of all as an act of worship bring an offering and come before him and worship the lord in the beauty of holiness you know we don't come and and bring our offering because god needs the money god's got plenty of money god's got plenty of resources and we shouldn't look at it as we need to give an offering because the church needs to pay the light bill We bring an offering because that is an act of worship. It is an act. It's not just a physical financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. And, of course, we offer 
several things from our life. Our time, our attention, our energy, our praise, our adoration, and yes, our money. That's, that's part of it too. But, you know, if we have trouble giving God our money, we're going to have trouble giving him anything else because our money is the easiest thing we can give. Easiest thing we can give. So bring an offering and come before him. A generous heart from a thankful spirit is a more joyful heart. Of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, when your heart is a generous heart, there's no other way to give, is there? You're going to be a cheerful giver. Uh, the word cheerful here actually means hilarious. You are just you're just loving this to be able to give back to God. A cheerful giver. Let me tell you this. A thankful heart is a generous heart, and a generous heart is going to be a more joyful heart because a selfish heart, for the selfish heart, no amount of money is enough to be happy. So they're, they're never, a selfish heart's never happy. A selfish heart that can't give back to God, a selfish heart who can't share with others, is a heart that's never, ever fully happy. You remember, of course, the rich young ruler who had an interaction with Jesus Christ and he walked away with every penny that he came with. I mean, he didn't give up a penny, but it says he was very sorrowful. He was very sorrowful. You see, a thankful heart is a generous heart. And then a thankful heart is in tune with all of creation. Look down in verse 31. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, their Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Then the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord. He is coming to judge the earth. You see, the creation worships God. Didn't it say in Psalms chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the handiwork of God and the firmament declares his glory? You see, nature praises God and shows forth the praises of God. A couple of passages of scripture, if you'll turn to Psalms chapter 65, verse 9. Psalm chapter 64, verse 9. 65, excuse me, Psalm 65, verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. And the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. The little hills rejoice on every side. All of nature praises God. Now, through my lifetime, I've always, of course, encountered through the popular media and ever so often you, you encounter someone who is an environmentalist. 
and they want to be one with nature. And the way to be one with nature is you're going to adapt this hippie lifestyle, and you're going to be in tune with nature. And, and all the while ignoring that God is the maker of the universe. If, if you're, we're not acknowledging God and his greatness, we are not in tune with nature. We are not in tune with God's creation. If we want to really get in tune with nature, we get in tune with God. When we get in tune with God, we are in tune with what he has created because all of nature rejoices. And since we are walking through the book of Isaiah, what does Isaiah have to say about this? Turn to Isaiah chapter 55. In this chapter, we have some of, one of the most familiar promises that we claim as we go forth with the work of God. But immediately after that is a passage of scripture that we usually don't read because we always make our point with the first two. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 55. Let's back up to verse 9. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. It will accomplish that what I please, and shall prosper in the thing which I send it. There's the passage we know. Look at the very next verse. For you shall go out with joy and shall be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth unto singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. The whole creation worships and thanks and praises God. When we are going to do the same, we are just in step with all of creation. What did Jesus say? To those who wanted to put the cork in the bottle as praises were just spewing out of the people as Jesus came in to Jerusalem with his triumphant entry. They said, you got to stop this. Stop that shout. And he said, if these hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. He'll get his praise. He'll get his praise from creation. Will he get his praise from us? When we are truly thankful, we are just joining in with what all of creation already does. So here's a Thanksgiving psalm. A Thanksgiving psalm which has more parts to it. Maybe read that before the week is up. He stopped and thanked God. And he, he wrote this, this song out. He gave it to Asaph, song director. And it was recorded. Isaiah knew his Bible. Isaiah undoubtedly knew what a thankful heart was all about as to the scriptures. And as he read the Psalms and he began to predict this prayer that would be prayed, he knew these words would be in it. That we thank God, we share his deeds among the people, and we proclaim the good news that all of nature and all of the world acknowledges God is truly God. Is there anything before we close?